Welcome to Calvary Temple Church Podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, it's my privilege to introduce someone who's very special in my life to you all today. Um, My roommate from college, Savannah, is here, and we uh, go back a long ways. We spent, we were quite a bit at college together, and we uh, went on an archaeology trip for two months overseas with Israel, Turkey, Greece, and Italy. It was an awesome time with her, but she uh, is someone who's just so mature in Jesus and uh, really has an awesome story of following Jesus, like the song just said, in a way that's a beautiful picture. So Savannah, uh, you would be like to join me, um, but just want to say thank you, and we're going to hear more of her story today. Thanks, Charity. I love Charity. She's just the best. She's been such a loyal friend, and it is such an honor to be here this morning with the family of God. Um, Sometimes we can kind of take it for granted and we don't realize how special it is to enter God's presence and to give him praise on Sunday mornings. And so um, it's such a joy and honor to worship with you this morning. Um, But I want to share my testimony. I'm going to kind of share my journey with Jesus where some of the first moments happened and when those happened and kind of how it progressed. And so... um, I, did, I grew up in a single-parent household. That's really common in our society nowadays. Um, my parents, I had an older brother who was a half-brother. He was 10 years older than me. And then my brother Sheldon and I, he's about two and a half years older than me. And we had the same mom and dad, but our parents split up when we were little kids. And so we grew up in a single-parent household. We did not grow up going to church. That's also really common nowadays. My story probably wasn't as common 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, but it's becoming more common. And they actually say that about 45% of Americans are unchurched, which means that they maybe used to go to church regularly, but no longer do, or they've never really been to church or gone to church regularly. Um, Some of those people would consider themselves Christians still, but they obviously don't see the need or feel the desire to you know, participate in the the life of the church, in the activities of the church anymore. Um, But I think my first experience with church, I had a friend in sixth grade. I was 12 years old, and she was a Christian, and she invited me to youth group, and um, it was very uncomfortable for me. I, I didn't know any of the answers. What I knew about God was that, like, there was this guy, Jesus, and he died on a cross. You know, I'd seen the cross before. I'd seen the crucifix. That was about it. You know, I knew there was a higher power. Um, both of my parents, um, were, my dad grew up Catholic, so he had church experience, but us kids didn't. My mom, not really. Um, both of my parents were alcoholics and addicts, um, but my mom went to Alcoholics Anonymous, AA. You guys know what that is, right? (laughs) Okay, so they believe in a higher power, so that was kind of like my understanding of God was there was a higher power, and he helped you through your problems and stuff, and I knew, like, the Our Father prayer and the Serenity prayer, and, like, that was about it, and um, so I had this friend who was a Christian, and and she invited me um, to youth group. It was awkward. I didn't know the answers to the questions. I felt really uncomfortable, and then I was going into seventh grade, and um, my mom informs me that I'm going to Bible camp with this friend. She signed me up behind my back. I was like, no, I don't want to go. 
but I went. And um, I was one of those, you know, angsty middle schoolers. I wasn't singing or anything. I was just standing there. You know, I, I had all the attitude and everything to go along with that. And I didn't want to be at the camp and whatever. But I remember one night they, there, there was a service, and I think they had shown a video or something. And it really impacted me. I can't even remember what it was. But I remember I went back to the cabin that night. And I was just crying. And I know my friend was asking me what was wrong. And I don't even know if I could really explain it very well. But um, God had touched my heart. And so he was, looking back, I can see that God was preparing my, you know, come to Jesus moment when I would give my life to him. So there were, there were these different things along the way. But at that time, I... Um, I was already getting into the wrong crowd. You know why I was getting into the wrong crowd? Because I was the wrong crowd, okay? So that's what was in my heart, and that those are the people I wanted to hang out with. And so um, I, by the time I was in middle school, as a 13, 14-year-old, I was smoking marijuana regularly. Um, I was doing all kinds of crazy things that I look at middle schoolers nowadays, and I'm thinking, I can't believe I was doing that. You are like a little child. Like, what are you doing? But if that was happening like 12 or 15 years ago, this stuff is happening all the time. You know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, I mean, they're getting into some stuff that we, a lot of you maybe don't even, can't even comprehend what some of these, these kids are getting into and going through and this kind of stuff that's out there. Um, so anyway, um, so moving on, that's, I didn't want anything to do with church. And then my mom, Donna, she she was always, she always like knew there was a God, you know, like I had said, and she knew there was a higher power. And so she and her boyfriend at the time, I, this is when I was in seventh grade now, they started going to a Methodist church in Watertown, South Dakota. I'm from South Dakota. Woo. Anyway, from Watertown. And so um, she started going to Methodist church and uh, with her boyfriend, and they were kind of going regularly. And then one Sunday, they showed up at church, and they realized they were late because the time had changed. And my mom's like, we're not going in late, so all these old people can judge us. And, <laughs> you know, that was her mindset. And so they looked across the street. And um, there was a church that started at 10.30, and they're like, let's go. Let's go to that church. Why not? I mean, she didn't have any denominational ties, you know, whatever. Probably didn't know what a denomination was. So um, she and her boyfriend went to this church, and it was the local Assemblies of God church. And um, that was the first time my mom really felt God's presence. And she tells me she pretty much cried the entire service, and she had a revelation that what she had been searching for her whole life in relationships, in drugs, and alcohol, she knew that there was something here. This is what she had been looking for. She felt God's presence, and she knew there was something real, and there was something right. And so she kept going to that church, and I had gone a couple times. I hated it. I hated the pastor, and, you know, I was a bratty middle schooler. And so, um, anyway, uh, so... But she had a revelation one Sunday morning. Oh, my word. My kids need to be saved. They need to know about this Jesus. Like, I need to get them to church. And so my brother Sheldon, who was just a couple years older than me, he was in and out of juvie his whole life. And as an adult, he's been in and out of jail and prison and just into drugs and into trouble and all of that stuff. And so he was just getting out of juvie. Now, by this time, I'm going into eighth grade. It's the summer before my eighth grade school year. And um, my mom's like, you need to go to youth group with him. He just got out of juvie, and we need to keep him on the straight and narrow, and he needs to go to youth group, and he's not going to go if you don't go. And I'm like, oh, fine, I'll go. So he and I um, went to youth group, and 
we just kind of goofed off the whole time. Like we were laughing during worship and, um, you know, we didn't have church etiquette. I mean, we didn't know, you know what I'm saying? We didn't grow up in the church like a lot of people nowadays. And so um, to make a long story short, he did not continue going, unfortunately. I kept going because I didn't want to make my mom look bad. And then when I didn't go, I would get messages and phone calls. Hey, we missed you. Where were you? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these people have my number. I can't escape. Um, No, but they really cared about me, and I could tell that, and I knew that. And so I continued to go to to youth group on Wednesday nights. Um, And then I went to youth convention as an eighth grade. I responded to an altar call because the idea was, like, if there is a heaven and if there is a God, yeah, I guess I want to go. I mean, that's that was my understanding. So I responded to an altar call. And um, I tell people this. I don't really know when, like, I really became a Christian. Like, it was like a process. You know, and it wasn't like one altar call moment and I just gave my life to God and everything changed. That does happen, and that's amazing. We know that happens. But um, what it was, it was what I realized the change. It was continually being in the presence of God at church. It was hearing the word of God. It was Christians who I knew loved and cared about me that started to change my heart. And um, by the time I was in ninth grade, I was 15 years old, I knew that God was real and that God had a plan for my life and that I didn't, none of this was by accident. And I knew that if I wanted to follow him and to live out his plan for my life, that I needed to forsake the things that were in the world that I was doing, the things that were um, ruining my relationship with God or would, would ruin, the, ruin my relationship with God if I continued on. And so one of my last things was I, you know, smoked marijuana. Like I grew up with a family that it wasn't a big deal. And we can see that in our society. Our society is moving more and more toward that. I guess my family was ahead of the times, not in a good way. Um, but, uh, you know, I never really thought it was wrong. Um, there were a lot worse things you could do. And, but I knew that God was convicting my heart. And he said, this is not how I want you to cope with your past hurts, with stress, and this is not how I want you to relieve yourself or whatever. Like, I am your all in all, and this is not what I have for your life. This is not my best plan for your life. And I knew that I needed to stop using marijuana. And so uh, before I went to youth convention as a ninth grader, this sounds so unspiritual, and it really is. I was with my brother Sheldon, and I smoked weed with him before I went to youth convention. But I did inform him this was the last time I was going to be doing that. And I said, I'm going to go to youth convention, and God is telling me I need to give this up. And so when I come back, things are going to be different, and I'm not going to do this anymore. And so um, praise God. He delivered me from that. I, I made a decision. I knew I knew what I needed to do because Christ had been convicting my heart. And praise God, I haven't gone back to marijuana since then. But um, I say all of that because God uses the local church. The local church is such a special place in my life. When I went to youth group, it wasn't anything fancy. I think there were like maybe a handful of other youth students who were there. There weren't, wasn't the fog, fog machines and the crazy lights and all of the, you know, the best worship music ever in the world. But there were people there who loved God and wanted to make a difference, however big or small that might have looked. And um, I love the local church. And I have such a heart for the local church because if it wasn't for that local church, if it wasn't for my mom seeing that church open, I wouldn't be where I am today. 
And um, I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. Let me bring it back a little bit before I move on to the, the next point. So I, I, I forsake those things from my past. Um, and I came back home. And sadly, things in my, my family didn't change, even though my mom had introduced me to Christ. And she really did have a connection with him. It was just in the world and in the church. You know how it is. It's just not committed. And so then when I was a 10th grader, my oldest brother died of a prescription drug overdose, the one who was 10 years older than me. And that was, of course, devastating for our family, devastating for my mom. She had so much guilt and so much shame. And things just kind of went from bad to worse in our home. But my pastors had been amazing mentors in my life and the people in the church. And so church became my refuge. And my pastors became like parents to me. They were mentors. Their home became my refuge. And when I was 17 years old, I moved in with them and they fully became like my second parents. And um, I'm just so grateful for them. I'm so thankful for pastors who you know, are so often in the trenches, you're, you're working with people, you're praying, you want to see pe- people's lives change. That's what God has called you to do. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to the pastors here. You guys make a difference. It doesn't matter if you have 10 people that go to this church, or you have 500 go to, people go to this church. I went to a church very much like this, and I wouldn't be where I am today without pastors who loved people and loved God and wanted to make a difference in people's lives. So thank you for what you do. And I hope all of you are praying for your pastors and encouraging them and supporting them because they are laying their lives down for people to see people come into the kingdom of God and experience his presence. Thank you, pastors. And um, I just want to, two people as I was praying about what I wanted to share today. Oh yeah, okay, sorry. Let me talk another encouragement quick. I'm almost done. My brother Sheldon, who's been in and out of jail, you know him. He, I've been praying for him for like 10 years to get to Teen Challenge and to, you know what Teen Challenge is? It's like for people who've had drug and alcohol addictions and stuff, and it's an amazing program started by David Wilkerson. Um, I had the amazing privilege to pick him up from prison in July and take him to Teen Challenge in Brookings, South Dakota. So if you ever think about him, let's just pray for him that... God has a plan for his life. We can pray for people for years and years and years, and you think it's never going to make a difference, and we, we want to give up and whatever, whatever, but you never know. And so I, I wanted to speak to two people here today. Some people, you maybe you have a past. Maybe you've had addiction. Maybe you grew up and you were abused, whatever. I just want to say that God wants to bring freedom and healing to your life. What the enemy says, you're never going to get over and that's, he lies to you and says, you're never going to get through this. You're broken. You're messed up. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're whatever. Actually, God says the opposite. He says, I want to heal you. I want to take your weakness and make it your greatest strength. You know what Paul boasted about in the Bible? He said, I boast in my weaknesses because when I am weak, he is strong. In my weakness, Christ's strength can come through. We all have weaknesses. We all have issues. I don't care if you have grew up in the church your whole life. You have struggles. You have things you have to work through. God wants to use those for his glory, and um, that, that's, that's the truth. So I just wanted to speak encouragement. Reach out to your pastors, to people in the church. If you need prayer, if you're struggling, that's what, that's what the church is for. They're for broken people like me and, and you to come and experience healing in God's presence. 
And I also wanted to talk to um, another group of people, some of you old saints in here, you've been in the church, you've been faithful people your whole life, you've, you know, you know Jesus, and I just want to say that what you do matters, and what you do in this church matters. I didn't know what was going to be talked about today, but you, we honored the workers, workers in the church. What you do in this church matters. What happens on Wednesday nights matters. What happens on Sunday morning matters. What happens at the sound booth, it matters. The church matters. We are a light to the broken world, to people, the little 13-year-old girls like me who needed to know that I had value and I had worth and that God had a plan for my life. So the church is important. If you haven't served in the church, maybe God's calling you to serve in a new way. Do it. Do it. Serve God's church. Make a difference. If my pastors, you know what? They could have been so overwhelmed and said, there's so much need in the world. We all, we just can get so bogged down. We see all the need and all the hurt and think I can't never make a difference. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. That's what my pastors live by. They couldn't take everybody into their home. They couldn't do that. They had a lot of broke, broken people in the church, a lot of kids who, you know, needed a better mom and dad. Wow, I can hear myself better now. Um, but they did for one what they wished they could do for many. And so that's my challenge and encouragement to you today. You matter, church. What you do matters. Do for one person what you wish you could do for many. Make a difference. And um, thank you for letting me share. This is such an honor and a privilege. I love Jesus. He's, he took my life from a path of destruction and put me on the path of life. And that's what the gospel is all about. So thank you so much, pastors. Amen. Thank you, Savannah. Just as we were preparing, we just felt like uh, we got word that Savannah would be joining us. That'd be great to hear her story because it will relate with a lot of people watching and even here. Kim and Tracy and their family, the Madler family, have really been through some things in, well, for some time. And uh, Kim shared with the worship team as we were practicing and preparing on Friday evening, our hearts were just so moved. And I just said to Kim, will you share with us? And uh, he agreed to do so. So Kim, thank you. Well, I'll try to make this pretty brief. But, You're uh, fine. Uh, I guess just to start with, um, our niece, Stephanie Cox, uh, a vibrant young lady at 30 years old, uh, passed away about three weeks ago from cancer. And um, starting about three years ago, um, she's also Francis and Joanne's granddaughter, just to kind of connect. And um, she was diagnosed with cancer, and she had a surgery and began treatment. <clears throat> and after about a year of treatment, discovered that she was pregnant. <laughs> and so uh, the only option I'm sure Stephanie considered was just to stop the treatment for nine months, which she did. And about a year ago now, their youngest son uh, was born. And so Stephanie had three little boys and a husband. And uh, so I told Pastor in the group the other night, it's, it's probably one of the most difficult funerals I've ever attended, you know. To, and, uh, but anyway, uh, Stephanie got back into her treatment, and we could tell last spring, about May 
or so that, you know, things just weren't going well. And um, not for lack of prayer, there was family and church. They had a great church family up there in Billings and many people praying, but things just kind of went downhill. And, and like I say, about three weeks ago, uh, Stephanie went to be with Jesus. But um, at the funeral, uh, her husband Ian, I guess I should say a day or so before the funeral, had been stumbled across uh, Stephanie's journal. And <clears throat> and so he read this at the funeral, and I said, I said, Ian, if you're okay, I said, I'd love to have a copy of that. And in the months and weeks prior to Stephanie's path, passing, she would text back and forth with Tracy, and and we would just marvel at, you know, the depth of spiritual faith and wisdom. I can't imagine uh, what it would be like to be a 30-year-old mother of three little boys and facing, you know, without a miracle, the inevitable, and yet to have such an awesome uh, like I say, faith and wisdom about her. But anyway, this is what I read to the group, and, and it just struck me as being so profound. But she says, we don't get to pick our battles. None of us would choose cancer, depression, anxiety, a broken relationship, financial hardship, a loss of a loved one. Come what may, we only get to choose how we face them, in fear or in hope. Seek first the kingdom of God. You want wisdom and answer? Stop looking for black and white words and start having faith in knowing you are not captain of your ship. Give over that burden that is not yours to carry. There is freedom in relinquishing that control. We know he works all things together for our good if we love him. Do you love him? Prove it. Walk in belief even when you cannot see. He asks for very little. He even gave us a very graphic picture in the story of the mustard seed. How can that tiny speck move a mountain? How? God, that's how. Thank you, Kim. I know there's so much more with Stephanie's story that is so, so powerful. I, I remember visiting with Francis, we would talk on the phone and he would just talk about the incredible life that she lived, how she lived out Jesus. Uh, just so amazing. And there's another part of it that Kim's going to come back in a little bit and share with us about this. It is so, so powerful. But I just feel like the Lord wants to say to us today that uh, you know, we, we do live in a troubled time. We live in a day that people, we, we look all, all around us and trying to uh, sort through, uh, you know, all, all of this. And we've been looking in the Gospel of Mark for some time. We've been following a theme of, about following Jesus, a life like none other. And I really believe that. I really believe that knowing Jesus and following Him, we experience, He promises, He brings, He provides a life like we will find no other place. There's nothing like knowing and following Jesus. And uh, I just felt today it would be wonderful to hear some testimonies 
that are current of what's going on right now in lives to realize that there are people who grow up in home situations that are an understatement far from ideal. There are people who walk through situations that they don't even know where to find answers. They don't know where to find help. They don't, they don't know where to turn. They don't even know that truly there really are answers. We're just plugging along day by day, trying to trudge, trudge through that. And then they hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over time, as something begins to stir and, and we're drawn to that, I know even for myself, and many of you have heard me share, that I, I grew up in, in what we would call maybe a, a good home with, with good parents. But they're just, we, we weren't serving Jesus. I didn't know what it meant to know Jesus in a personal way. And my life, too, was in a mess and in a pit. We come to hear the good news about Jesus and turn to him. Savannah is a testimony of that, of what it means that we would reach out and care and love in people's lives. But then sometimes we begin to talk about believers, and we're looking at them and we're going, what, what about in, in, in their life? We have this sense that somehow, and it's wrong, but we have this sense that if we just give our life to Jesus, there's kind of that idea out there that our life will be problem-free and there won't be anything like that and we just kind of skip through life. But the reality of it is that when we come to know Jesus Christ, we find the reality of how to live in a broken world and bring those answers to others. People, there is an eternity that we're looking forward to where there's victory and there's no pain and there's no heartache and Jesus is going to come back and restore and bring that kingdom into our world someday. Thank the Lord for that. But we also have the testimonies of people like you and me or and I want to particularly focus on Stephanie today. They just somehow are saying, you know, I want to make a difference in the world. I want my light to shine. And no matter what I face and no matter whether I get deliverance now or, or, or later, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to make him known. People, that is absolutely powerful in our lives. He's going to share today about following Jesus and the end of the age. But I feel like I'm going to save this message for next week and, and come back to that because I really want us to focus. I want the worship team to come back, if you would. And I want us to focus today on really entering in and encountering Jesus. And, and let me just give what was going to be the intro of my message. It's kind of be a, a little bit of bringing this to a different place today. Because I believe that there are people who are watching. There are people who are here. And sometimes we get so discouraged. And sometimes we have questions in life that don't seem to have uh, the answers. Or life doesn't go like we think it should. Unfortunately, there are times when we begin to blame God or question God when we see that, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't. 
We have an awesome God and people he's in control and he will accomplish his purposes and his plans. God is not willing that any should perish. God wants for his for the gospel, the good news of Jesus to go out across our world. And many of us have family members or we have friends that aren't serving Jesus and don't know him. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep keep pushing through. You know this world is Got all kinds of turmoil and hardships. We have to ask, what do we do with that? Are we living in the time the Bible describes as the end of the age? I believe that since Jesus, ever since he rose from the dead and rose and went back and ascended to the Father, we're living in the end of the age. And I want to unpack that some more next next week. Jesus talked about some of those signs and what's going on. And people, when we look at the situation of our world today, it's critical. The needs are critical all around us. But Jesus gave us hope and answers for how to live in a broken world. How to let our light shine in a broken world. It's awesome. We're going to look next week, <coughs> excuse me, at Mark 13, because of some of the signs and the things going on uh, around us. But I think too often, you know, it's difficult for us to kind of reconcile these hardships and sufferings for followers of Jesus and what will come in the last days. And I, this almost sounds like a, a message of gloom and doom. It's not. Jesus let us know that the closer we get to his appearing, the darker and more difficult the world will become. But people, for those who walk in Jesus, the greater the light will be. The more what he wants to do in our lives to let that light shine out to others. God wants to bring people to salvation. He wants to draw us by the power of his Holy Spirit and give us life and give us hope and change and transform our lives. This theme, following Jesus, a life like none other, I believe it with all of my heart. There's nothing in this world that can compare or that we can receive that's like following Jesus. Nothing in this world. Wow. God has a plan. We're going to look at this next week. It's the name of Jesus that changes lives like Savannah, like you and I. It's the name of Jesus that makes a difference in a family like Stephanie and, and Ian and, and their kids and the extended family and gives us hope for the world that we live in. It's the name of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, it says that they overcome him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their life to the death. I'm going to save my message for next week, but at the end of Mark in chapter 13, Jesus told his disciples, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, Jesus said. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away, leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, 
Because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say ever to one, watch. You can be seated. One of the things we need to understand in the day we live in is the message, be ready. Be ready. Be watching. I'll come back to that next week. That's what God calls us to. But today, maybe you're here, maybe you're sitting at home and, or you're hearing this and there's something going on in your heart going on. I, I hear what people are saying. I, I, I hear these testimonies, but I don't have that sense that I'm really ready to meet Jesus. You can do that. To be ready to know the Lord, all we need to do is say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. If you'll pray a prayer or something like that, and just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Make me a new person. Change my life. I want the hope and the life that you have. I want to live for you. If you'll pray a prayer like that, Jesus will do it. It doesn't have to be those exact words. It's a prayer of your heart saying, Lord, I need you. My life's a mess. My life's empty. I don't have, I, I don't have answers. If you'll give your life to Jesus, he'll become the captain of your ship. He'll direct your life. He'll give you hope. He'll give you answers. I still remember the night, July 29, 1971, when I stepped off the streets into a home of two young ladies that loved Jesus. I was with a friend and two drunks. And that night, one of them asked me, do you, do you want to pray, Mark? And I said, yes. And I got down on my knees and I prayed and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I was washed inside. I could sense it. I could, I could feel it. There was a difference. There was peace. And my life changed from that moment. He broke things in my life. The drugs fell off. There was a different direction. I wanted to follow and live for Jesus. God wants to do that for each and every one. Maybe it's not a life of drugs. But it might be a life of emptiness. It might be broken relationships. It might be losing a job. It might be sickness. It might be suffering. But we have a God who will meet you wherever you are in life. He has the answer. He has the answer. He is God. I invite you. Give your life to Jesus. Let us know. Follow up if you're online. Follow up, let us know. Let us know how we can pray or help you in your walk for Jesus. Just want you to know we love you and we want you to know him. Thank you for joining us today. God bless.